We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sunday night, almost August, official NBA offseason. Um, Niners, good news for the Niners. Giants, you can see right here. You see Giants right here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> see, you see this right here? He, go, he goes with the offseason Warriors and then pivots immediately to the Niners. And, and, and baseball. You got to go, go with the deep fake. Come yeah. on. Yeah. All right. Just, just move it. Move it right on over. I mean, right now for me, it's I'm Niners only, man. There's nothing nothing more depressing than talking about the San Francisco Giants, to be honest. We have a special guest this week from The Athletic, Steve Berman. Steve, how you doing, man? I'm great. Let's talk some A's. Yeah, let's no, talk. I'm kidding. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> you, said, you said that Giants are the most depressing thing, but I don't know. Sometimes the A's kind of uh, one up them. Lately, they've actually been playing better than the Giants. But yeah, A's I mean, talk. If we do A's talk right now, all of your listeners are going to rate. I've, subscribe. I, I told I told star. Andy. I, I told you this too. I'm like, I'm not discussing the A's until their payroll is higher than the highest paid player in the MLB, which is Max Scherzer right now. Like Steph Curry can't make more money than the entire Oakland A's, and me take them seriously, which is absolutely a thing that's going on right now. Uh, can, you know. can I hold on? Can I flip it the yeah. other way before we get to the fun stuff? The Giants are just as bad for me, or I'll complain about the Giants because they have a lot of money. They've won a lot. They are a really great old school franchise, and they are probably the most boring team, uh, not only in the Bay Area, but maybe in baseball. They don't have a single player that's exciting. Uh, they don't have really a future that you can say, oh my God, they have the number one farm system. They don't have anybody there. They don't have, they don't seem like they want to spend money right? Like the Mets who just spent a ton of money to be good. They don't, there's just no future, which is just as bad as a team. That's just right now. They're literally 500. They just won today. They're 50. They are just kind of, it feels like they're just twisting in the wind is like the best way to put it. And I actually think it's a, it's a good segue because Steve, we talk about this every now and then. And it's interesting to me because in the Bay area, everyone's generally a fan of like the same teams, but they're also kind of competitive business-wise. And it just feels like while the Warriors are kind of 
going for the kill business wise and Joe Lacob on some level is trying to calm people's expectations that he won't run a billion dollar tax bill every year type of thing. Um, you have the giants who are just like perfectly okay with kind of sitting around, not really being bad, but also not really winning and just kind of kicking the can down the road. And it's, it feels like they're kind of in opposite states, right? Absolutely. Right now, what's going on with the Warriors is worst case scenario for the Giants, who in 2010 pretty much found magic in a bottle and won a title. The Warriors were god awful. I was actually started covering the team it with a credential in 2011. And, you know, Andy, during those years, I would oh, see you there sometimes. And, you know, with, with Straussy and uh, Danny LaRue. Charles Jenkins era? Charles Jenkins <laughs> era, man. Uh, Patrick O'Brien kind of kind of stuff going on. Jeremy Tyler, uh, Mikkel Gladness. Uh, oh, my God. The, those mismatched it, yellow jerseys. Those, by the way, I forgot about those until I saw those on social yesterday. But yeah. What, the, the sleeved ones? Yeah, the sleeves with, like, the striped pa- Those were bad. Those were <laughs> so bad. Oh, my God. I actually went there for the media availability when they unleashed those jerseys on the public, and I was just like, are you – kidding I mean, what the hell's going on here the only person who seemed happy about it was harrison barnes harrison barnes just seemed like he was made to wear the sleeved yellow kind of pinstripe but not pinstripe jerseys but yeah back then like the, the warriors were had been bad for so long and the giants are like all right this is not competition for us and then they and they won three titles got super cocky we're like okay we can float off this forever we're gonna have forty thousand in the park forever and then the warriors became the lakers on steroids so like not only taking over the region, but also taking over the country and the globe in terms of media attention. And with that comes much higher prices, a brand new arena. And right now, Sam, you and I were talking about this earlier today. When you look at all of these things that are coming together, the Giants are trying to spend money on real estate and Mission Rock. So right. they don't have as much free capital to throw at guys as you think. People would go, Is oh, that they, why? they have the money. They have the money. Well, they do still have the money. I mean, they could they could find ways to spend on players, but just like when they were paying off Pac Bell Park, they would always say, "Hey, we have a debt service of twenty five million a year, so we're not going to go crazy. We have budgetary constrictions, so they're not going to spend like the Yankees or the Dodgers by any means." But also, they got this other team that's right next to them that's charging incredible amounts of money and how much money during this inflationary time that we're living in right now. And then COVID on top of that, do people have to go to giants games? Yeah. And it's like, it kind of ties to like, I think the Bay area is underrated in terms of a sports market. Like people always think like, Oh, it's on the East coast. No one cares. People care, but there's also like a lot to do in the Bay area. I don't think people are like, down to spend what it costs to go to a Giants game when you factor in like parking or an Uber if you live in the city. Um, you know, every beer in the stadium is like 15 bucks. Uh, Andy and I have to have like eight minimum when we go. So it's like, <laughs> it, it's like, it's it, and all that stuff to watch. Um, you know, like Vossler. Exactly. Those like, like VR. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's like oh. a, it's a market that like requires, like you don't just need good players. They have to be like captivating stars. Like Thank you. the yeah. giants would, okay. If the giants got like Shoei Otani, obviously. Oh my God. I don't yeah. think they have an issue selling out if there are 500 with him. 
just because he's captivating sure. and you want to see him. Barry Bonds was on a 500 team for the end of his career for 10 years, pretty much. 50% of his time with the Giants. Yeah, well, or, but or yeah, it's 500, yeah. Yeah, yeah but right, it's like right. um, the kind of, you know, pay money to go watch a team where you know there's like no one who is exciting. There's There's no, it's, there's no like in their prime star, but there's also like, there's no young guy where you're like, I could see in two years, this could be the man. It's just a bunch of like rotation platoon guys. Yep. Right. Yep. And that, yeah, that's I mean, the A stuff though. <laughs> oh yeah. The A's are a completely different situation. Cause all anyone cares about is if they're going to stay or if they're going to go from, and- from a rotation. I mean, from like a, a player perspective where, guys are interchangeable I mean, they're good i think like you just mentioned vossler like i feel like every time he plays he's good but jesus christ man jason vossler who cares yeah i, I mean like he's fine good, right but yeah. good doing a lot of work right it. now good good yeah I, I, let me let me take that but like he's fine right he's not a bad baseball player like well i used to watch Eugenio velez who was a bad baseball player um but but i think now farhan will pick guys up that are like serviceable. They're all average major league baseball players, but they're just not exciting. The thing you mentioned, I think I want to point this out is, is the Bay area stuff is real. Like in Philadelphia, like what else are you going to do in Boston? What else are you going to do? You're going to go and watch a ball game, 160, 81 times. Right. But in the Bay area, it's like, dude, I don't have to do any of these things. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do, I don't want to watch this team. Even if, even if it was free, and that's, that's the problem right now with those guys. Also, if you don't live in San Francisco, it's kind of a pain in the ass to go to the games. So, I mean, I guess, yeah. Uh, yeah. If you so you've, live moved, in, you've moved to the East Bay. You understand. I know. Yep. I, <laughs> I, I lived up, in San Francisco for eight there, years, so and yeah. it was easy. You know, I would walk to a lot of the games I would cover because it was two. It was like two and a half miles. I just, it was mostly downhill, and then I take an Uber back home at night after the game, after getting out of the clubhouse. The I, I guess if you live in the peninsula and could take Caltrain, that's pretty convenient i guess but you know the bar state the bar station is a mile away uh if you have parking, to cross a bridge yeah it's yeah just, you gotta cross a, a bridge parking and they're taking parking away for all this mission rock development and san francisco when i was living there it was always difficult to park but just in the last few years they made it even harder to park around in the neighborhoods around the stadium i mean like meters go until 10 o'clock now they go every single day i uh, got the uh, I, I was there a couple of weeks ago for a game and it was 50 dollars for a parking parking lot area and then you look across the street and it was 100 and you would see everyone lining up for the 50 dollar one and i'm just sitting there like honestly man if i come to a game i'm not waiting an hour to park in the lot i might just pay 100 dollars, and that's how they get you yeah and i wonder that, that's how they get and you. that's and a I lot wonder, of money that's a lot of money yep and I wonder how much Lakeups considered this because, like, right now he's got the dream. He's first off, they want a title, so like, literally, they're the best team in the league. Second off, they have one of the ten most iconic players in NBA history. Whatever you think, and I know our listeners think this, but like, Steph, Steph is going to draw a crowd up until he retires. Uh, what What does it look like for the Warriors, like, in a post Steph Curry era, like when we don't know? who that is like are they gonna have to go through this sort of stuff because it's like those same type of challenges like chase isn't any easier to get to people just do it because steph is steph is a once a generation type of player it's a once a generation type of team you bite the bullet on that sort of stuff more so than you do if it's like i don't know a 500 team where you're like not really sure there's a pathway to competing with it that's difficult. I mean, Steph is Bonds, really, but Bonds with championships, the guy that you just your eyes are always on every time that you go to the game, every time you watch him on TV. So really, it's kind of on them to figure out you're never going to have the next Steph. That's, you know, he's a top 10 Big guy. Jim. 
obviously big gym. Yeah. Jordan Poole's on the team. I mean, Jordan Poole and Kaminga, those are, those are, those are interesting guys and they're fun to watch and don't get me wrong. I mean, I was on the play Kaminga train throughout the playoffs and till a little bit, you know, a few rounds in, I was like, okay, maybe they have a point here on Kaminga, but uh, still, I mean, these are guys that, you know, you can't bank on them being box office. So yeah, the, the, cause the ticket price is going to keep going up. Everything around the stadium and the arena is going to keep going up. So it's really on them to find someone who's at least, or at least a group of players who is at least close to his captivating. Now they've also put a lot of loyalty into the bank with the way that the team is and all of these titles with these guys being together for so long. So they're going to be able to milk, the trio being with the team as long as they re-up Draymond for many, many years. And then, so they have time to figure yeah, it Draymond, out. Draymond throws a couple more LeBron videos on the timeline. I don't think people need yeah, that. You know. <laughs> you know what though? Like I, I, I get that. And I, and it, it's pretty funny. Like the jokes about, you know, absolutely incredible LeBron, you know, like the, 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 the slobbing on the podcast is, is kind of at peak levels sometimes. But most people aren't as online as we are. And if you run into the regular Warriors fan on the street, one, they think Steve Kerr's the Pope. And they will pretty be. much they pretty much lie down in railroad tracks to save Draymond Green. So that's true. That's you right. know, and if you told people, hey, you know what? He's with the same agency as LeBron, it's called Clutch. Most people be like, what? That's, I have no, true. I have no idea, and I really don't give a what shit. Language you, what language are you speaking? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's facts. That that's true. I, I think one other thing I want to point out too, with, with the with the tickets and stuff too, is is COVID. Right, it's an obvious one. I think Sam yep. has pointed out a few times is it's just really difficult to go to games uh, when you're not working downtown anymore. I was someone that worked downtown. I could walk like you, Steve, like I could walk a mile. If I, if I was still working downtown, I would have kept covering the warriors um, because, because chase, I could walk a mile and I don't go in the office. I haven't been in the office in, in, since COVID started. I won't, I would never go back in. And because of that, I think that's, that's just everyone, everyone that goes to games, especially Giants games where there's 80 plus of them a season. It's like, I have to it just, go. I have to now take the Caltrain. Yeah, yeah it, it, it means thing. it needs right. to be a bigger deal for you to go. It's not just like it's not like just hitting happy, happy hour, hour into it, the game. Yeah, yeah there you go. Right, happy hour. I'm drunk. I'm five shots in. I could do. I'll do anything. Like I'll do anything. <laughs> right, and so I'll go to a baseball game. But now it's like, well, you know, three o'clock. I'm at home. I could. I could. You know. So that type of stuff, I think, is a. They got unlucky. Everybody got unlucky. But that that hurt the Giants too, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that was something they could not predict because I was right there with you. I used to work on Market and Forth for a few years back in like 08, 09, and 10 when the Giants, when Tim Lincecum was getting going. And they got lucky with Tim Lincecum because people say, oh, well, they didn't have crazy stars before. That dude was box office, man. They used to run this promotion where however many strikeouts he had the game before, that's how many dollars off bleacher seats were. I don't care. I can't tell you how many times I went, like I would just go from the office straight to the ballpark, just, you know, walk in a mile away and, and everyone was doing it too. It was the cool thing to do. But uh, of course the warriors back then were pretty much a niche organization and no one really cared, but yeah, I think a lot of this stuff is stuff they couldn't have predicted, but they have a lot of money and a lot of people 
theoretically who are smart enough to figure out how to bring in the next generation of fans and how to fix this thing going forward. Because yeah, right now, just kind of like pretending like it's still 2014 and you're, you're still playing sigh songs during the game and uh, <laughs> <laughs> let the let's, dogs let's, out. Let's run Kiss back. Cam. Yeah. Yeah, 107 the, wins and they couldn't get fans. It was the, sad. Let's get it was the Brandon sad. Crawford uh, bobble. I think that was again. COVID. Yeah. I think that yeah. was COVID. Uh, people around here care about that a lot more than people throughout the rest of the country. Only Seattle. I was in Seattle last year. Only Seattle, I think, is that worried about. Yeah, I'll, get, I'll give the COVID. okay. I'll give the Giants a pass because there were COVID restrictions until June or July, which meant they just literally couldn't sell season tickets. Like they were limited on that. So it's um, in some ways, the Warriors, I don't want to say they lucked out because they literally took out a loan to fund the entire 2021 season. And, you know, they'll make it up on the back end, but like they still did it. Right. Um, But with the pacing of when restrictions got lifted, they were able to have a full season which is something the Giants weren't able to last year. And it's just hard to, it's hard to sell individual game tickets on a regular yeah, basis. What One last thing I want to throw out there on this topic is like, I think sometimes when you pod and you talk with media and stuff like that, like there's this tendency to not give the fans to think fans are not smart enough. Fans know when a star, they know when they see a star, you mentioned Tim Lincecum. Everyone knew the first time they watched him pitch. This is yep. this is a dude I want to watch. Yep. Like now, granted, if he if he face planted and was trash for 10 starts in a row and he didn't live up to the hype, obviously people would move on. But it was very obvious the first time you see a guy like that, it's something. It was very obvious. Um, you know, we all watched the baseball all-star game. I don't know how much Seattle Mariners and either of you have watched. It took all of yep, yep. two minutes of Julio Rodriguez to be like, yep. that's a dude, right? I was yeah. all in. I was all in on J-Rod. It, that's that's what I'm saying. Like, you know when you see it. And, like, uh, obviously with the Warriors, we're all lucky. Steph Curry is, like, the epitome of star. You see it when you see it. And sometimes sometimes they're built like that. Sometimes it's a little slower. In his case, you know, he's a late bloomer physically in the injuries. And it took a minute to get there. But, like, that's kind of a thing that's missing with like the giants and kind of why they don't draw in my opinion. Like it's yep. just who, who other than Logan Webb and like Carl Sardon on some level, like at least they're a butt really good has like any sort of star appeal, but you need that. You need the everyday guy too, right? If it's not Timmy, Timmy's once in a life, like the five, eight dude who throws with his leg, you know, kind of like just doing splits on the, on the mound. There's like a style need, component. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, which is Logan Webb is amazing, but he doesn't, he's, you know, he's boring. Right. Not, not to say he, he's very good. He's just, he's not, he's not exciting. Right. Big show him Matt show Kane show vibes. <laughs> right. Maybe like how Harrison, maybe he's got a funky low left quarter delivery. Oh, like like maybe right Lu- Luciano. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's keep it moving. But Luciano is probably the closest, right? Like maybe Luis Matos, maybe something like that. But anyway, they need They need, they need someone, anyone to make well, this team. I, I obviously Shohei would be the, just the automatic oh, no. home run that would, you know, light the berry on fire as much as any region in the country, probably. But I think probably they're going to put all their eggs in the judge basket after the season, because when you look at like what also a player who like literally he comes up and you're like, I got to watch this at bat. You got to watch this at bat. And it's also like, there's two ways to get this done. Either you bring up guys from the minors, guys like Linscombe and Posey and Bumgarner who, you know, and even Crawford to a certain extent, maybe belt to a much lesser extent who the, the fans, you know, cling to right away and watch grow. And they feel like, 
these are our guys. It was a very provincial area. Barry Bonds was a success, not just because he was the MVP and the Giants almost moved to Tampa, but also because he said all the right things at the beginning. I love San Francisco. I always wanted to be here. Willie Mays is my godfather. My dad played here. And so it was immediate like, okay, yeah, he was with Pittsburgh before, but he's our guy. Aaron Judge grew up pretty close to uh, San Francisco as well. He grew up, I think, in San Jose. So he's a guy that I think that uh, – I don't know if he went to Bellarmine or which one, but anyway. The, I think but, Linden, right? He's from kind of country area, right? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I'll defer to you on that one. But I think that uh, he's a guy who – you know, would obviously he definitely grew up a Giants fan. That's a that's a, that's a factual statement. So, but he's yeah. you know he's he's thirty, so not really like the. I mean, obviously, if he can get Soto, then that is something that you try to do. But the Giants have been trying to build up this minor league system from what Bobby Evans and Brian Save, mostly Bobby Evans, did to it. And so you know, you mentioned Luciano. He's still going to be time for Lu- Luis Luciano to come up. Kyle Harrison might actually come up quicker than Luciano but there just aren't that many star guys that are right on the doorstep. So I think they're going to go all in on judge. I mean, look, man, I I would not be upset about having him in the Bay area and seeing him courtside at chase and panning out to him and, and Barry bonds while Steph's dancing and shimmy gun everyone is there are worse, there are worse uh, baseball players to bring into town. Like namely the, the 50 guys who are on both days in the giants. So um, <laughs> it's like, uh, I like baseball like a lot and it's a very boring, various season and very, very boring. And I just, just find myself like, do I buy quick pitch to watch other teams? No, I don't want to spend that money. And then next thing I know I'm stuck watching whatever the giants or the A's. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I wanted to ask you specifically, Steve, about this because I feel like we've talked about this. So it's like I've both Andy and I've known you since back in the various sports guy t- days. And right. it's just like 
can we talk through like the evolution of the blogosphere to where we are with social media with sports coverage? Because sometimes I feel like that all gets lost and it's it's just interesting. Like sometimes I was I was thinking about how we're talking about the Giants specifically, uh, but this could also tie to the Warriors. Back in the day, this would be blog gold. Like, you know. What are the Giants going to do? Meanwhile, the Warriors, Joe Lacobs, you know, talking about letting go of one of the core guys and all that sort of stuff. And like, if this was 2009, I would be looking to read Barry Sports Guy or like, um, you know, some of the you know, Warriors world, some of the blogs back in the day. And now it's just all anyone does is go to Twitter and everything. It's just an interesting evolution, right? Well, before you start, Steve, I mean, myself, I went from writing for like six years on 16 different blogs. Dude, the last time I wrote, I don't remember the last time I wrote. All I do is sit here and talk to Stam all day long, every week. That's all I do. So that's, that's you know, kind of just my personal experience on where everything has gone now. Yeah, well, Bill Simmons used to be a writer, right? I mean, that's, yeah, exactly. uh, I mean, that's, that's I am that's the a, Asian Bill Simmons. That is correct. That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> that, no, that's that's a perfect example. It's uh, Bill Simmons made his name on blogging and having kind of like the fan take. And next thing you know, he's he's you know the Podfather, whatever you want to call it, right? Yeah, it's well. I think a, a few things happened. Uh, really, when I got started, it was because I was freelancing for newspapers, Barry and his group, and just like I was working. I worked in the corporate world. I didn't like it. And I got a crappy retail job. I was like, I want to get back into journalism. I was doing it during college. So I would freelance cover like high school sports for Barry News Group every Friday and Saturday for a little extra money and just try to like get clips. My dream was like, I'm going to work for the the Mercury News or something. Right. And then in 08, when the recession hit, they bought out half of the entire staff of writers at Barry News Group. And I was like, yep, this is probably not the way to go. I should probably you know, go towards online stuff, started the website. And back then people started blogs and thought that their blogs are going to get bought for like a million bucks plus. I mean, because it did happen quite a few times, you know, and you had not just sports, but entertainment bloggers, everyone, you know, people were thought of back then as bloggers were influencers as opposed to like Instagram influencers. Oh, we're, so, we're on to TikTok now, but yeah. Yeah. T- TikTok now. The, uh, exactly. I know how much you love TikTok, Sam, especially when the NBA, uh, goes toward it yeah i but like but really like i mean nbc sports bay area they were in talks with me to buy my website uh for a while and i kept trying to get him to give me an offer and then i realized you know the kind of money that nbc sports bay area really has to spend which isn't that much so it never happened it's just oh yeah i'm talking to corporate we're talking to corporate you know so i thought that was what way it was going to be but i was still able to make a full-time living based off ad money And then I realized in the mid 2010s that that was not going to be sustainable because advertisers realized that a lot of people have ad blocker and people don't really click on banner ads. So what they wanted was advertisers, you know, I had a bunch of advertisers. Amici's was the biggest one. They were like my kind of all the time. Exactly. Well, I broke the Ralph Barbieri getting fired story. And weeks later, Amici's came to me and were like, we're pulling all of our money from KBR and just giving it to you. So that was actually how, nice. how that went. So I, I was living pretty comfortably off, you know, writing full time. I had a bunch of 
freelance writers who I was paying per story. Sam, I tried to recruit you at one point, <laughs> but you said that she'd already got to you. So I was like, all right. Cause I, I never, like, I didn't, I was the only warriors she'd, writer that I she'd had. She'd lay up fighting it off. Yeah, exactly. So the, I was like, I need one more warriors writer. I, I got all these people who write about the Niners and the giants and even the A's and the sharks, but I need one more warriors guy. So it's not just me. So I reached out to Sam. He's like, sorry, she beat me to it. But uh, yeah, the, uh, but I realized though that, advertisers weren't going to, you know, really lead to any sort of full-time success in terms of financial success. And companies stopped buying up blogs like Yahoo and AOL. They're just like buying up blogs for hundreds of thousands of dollars. That totally stopped. The advertisers just wanted either videos or advertorial, which is pretend stories about the sponsored product. They try to make people think that, oh yeah, I'm reading about this actual thing I would click on oh wait this is actually just you know total bullshit so so like andy talking about k-pop on the timeline just fake just planted planted stories to sell albums and it how gives much, me and it gives me engagement baby that's that's what i'm there for <laughs> how, how much money are you getting there from those labels hey don't don't worry about how much i look i live in burling <laughs> right. game okay you know what right. i mean you know what i'm not i'm not pocket watching i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> all i know is if Jacob did this he'd be able to afford jordan Poole and angel wiggins <laughs> and jay one green right? I think I think Joe Lake probably is a fan of K-pop. I could see that. <laughs> he probably is going to make some hey, money. He saw he that? saw the money that uh, Bam Bam brought in for Wiggins. He's definitely a fan. And Bam oh, Bam's yeah. like second tier. You know what I mean? Like second, third. Is tier he? Is he? K-pop. I need. Is is it time for a K-pop segment? And update <laughs> us here. No. Uh, neither neither Steve or I are on top of this segment. The the band. Hey, that... hey don't don't assume. Don't assume here. Okay, <laughs> well, you're, you can, you're, you can you assume. You can you assume. Kids. You got kids. They're going to be on it. I mean, his his band is one of the most popular bands, but it's not it's not the top. So it'd probably be like it's like a James Harden level of star. Like it's it's a it's a damn good superstar. <laughs> It'll draw numbers, not not in the fraudulence way, because Harden's you're making, you're making it sound like he just has like catchy hooks, but like there's no depth. Yeah. To the game. <laughs> <laughs> in crunch time, he's not making things happen. Second level stuff. But I mean, look, man. Like if if and they got, I was actually shocked that they got him to to come over and do the whole Ritter, had him do the whole song and dance, right? I'm just like, geez, like, they, they don't come. Like, that guy doesn't come over to, to from, from Korea to the U.S. It doesn't really make any sense. That's how that's how you know the Warriors. They actually might be light years ahead. They might well, be. I mean, they're global brand now. That's, yeah. the, that's the difference between them and, you know, 95, 99% of North American professional franchises. It's, it's the Yankees, the Lakers, the Warriors, and then – I guess you can kind of throw in some NFL teams in there. I mean, the Niners actually have a crazy global following the a ton of English 49ers fans leads, but you know, I don't think that anything, the 49, I don't think Debo's actually re-signing with the Niners is going to get into a newspaper or, you know, a website in Europe or Asia or Africa. (laughs) And I do think that whatever the Warriors do pretty much is doing that. I, I wonder though if that's Ryan's because Rollins, the NFL Ryan yeah. Rollins think pieces yep. in, in Southeast China. Asia. Yeah. In China. Yep. Guy Santos definitely is a guy that they've been following over in Brazil and uh beyond. I I just feel like the NFL, they don't care. What does it matter to them? They own the they own the US, they own North America, like they own every single thing that matters, and that's more than enough, I feel like. They do care I, though. They're like they're they they keep doing these London games. That's right. and, that's true. You know, I mean, I, I guess obviously Mexico is North America, but the Niners and the Cardinals are going to play in Mexico city this year. Yeah. They, they're always looking for more money. They're just not going. The, There's never enough the, money. The China to be made. Never. Um, yeah, no. And it's like, uh, 
it's well that's that's the other thing like the nba is just bigger in in international you know in asia and europe and in some of these countries so there's a different type of appeal there it's oh, i want to hear more i want to hear more about just kind of media changing since since kind of um the t- t- 2010s i mean just we talked about blogging to podcasting so there's some of that um we see the new media now right new the, the media. Quote, quote unquote the new what are you what are your thoughts on that well let's start there your thoughts on that uh new media uh i think draymond is just trying to set himself up to be the next charles barkley and he thinks it's kind of fun to be able to also get revenge on guys who have talked badly about him on tv that's just you know guys like skip bayless and and perkins and whoever else who he feels like is kind right of talking out their ass exactly yeah the the guys who are who he feels like don't have a leg to stand on with basketball knowledge and so he's going to hold everyone accountable. Sheriff Draymond coming in with his <laughs> with his deputy badge and making sure that everyone, you know, oh, does what does what he wants. I don't know. Like the media has definitely changed quite a bit. I remember like the way that I kind of made myself unique was one. I covered a bunch of teams and I went to everything. Like I worked seven days a week. I would go to every practice and every game that I could. And uh, I got credentialed by the Warriors first. Uh, shout out Raymond Ritter. Like 2011, he was the first guy to like let the bloggers actually, you know, get a say in terms of covering games. Giants quickly followed. Niners took a little bit longer. The A's said no. The A's said uh, you can come to Blogger Day where you talk to Bob Melvin uh, oh. in a pregame interview and then sit in the stands with a bunch of other bloggers. And I was like are you kidding? Like the A's don't get any page views. Like I'm giving you free advertising. You don't want to credential me. Then I don't care about you either. So the, but back then what I would do was also, I would, I had a flip cam. Remember those things? Yes. Wow. So I had a flip Shout cam. Out Nokia. So, yeah. Cause I think I still had like some Motorola phone or something. So I had a flip cam that NBC sports Barry gave me when I was freelancing for him. And I would film all of the scrums, all the media scrums. And all the press conferences and stuff that happened during the games and post on YouTube or post on Twitter. And then, you know, once my, I got a decent phone, I was able to do the same thing there. So I would, I was the only one with a camera at me. Like when I was in the giants clubhouse, no one else did. Henry Shulman looked at me like I was an alien. What are you doing? The, and and it was the same with the Warriors too. Like in the 49ers, like I was the only one filming. It's so funny. It's like, instead of being like, that's smart we can get stuff out there to make us like gain tro- profile uh, old school media is like, what are you doing? That's not the way we do think. God, just no ingenuity. Well, also it's not only that it was laziness in a lot of ways too. I mean, honestly, when I was, when I was getting started, I was really grinding and going out there every day when it made it my full-time thing. When I quit my corporate job and in, uh, in downtown San Francisco and went with Barry sports guy the whole time, I, you know, I didn't see a whole lot of hard working and ingenuity going on from the media people. I mean, the, the call, the columnists were like in their own little set deal. Like I have a sweet gig. I can oh. come and go when I want to these games. I don't have to stay for the entire game. I can write two, three times a week and then that's it. And so they were getting, they were getting kind of cranky and some beat writers too, when newspapers and other publications are like, okay, Beyond your your game stories or your columns, 
We also need you to write a blog post before and after every game and also tweet. Like, remember the complaints from the traditional media about having to tweet? Yeah. Like, they didn't want to do any of that stuff. They're like, no, my job was just to go to the game, write a story, I'm done. And they didn't want to be like on the 24 hour news cycle. And I mean, granted, of course not. Like, why would you want to do more work when you didn't have to before? But I was like, you know, in a situation where I was like, okay, I'm just going to beat everyone to this. And really the only person I saw that was working as hard as me in the beginning was Kawakami, like, cause he was going to everything and he was writing a ton. And then after that, uh, people, everyone else has sort of had to kind of pick up their own slack a little bit. Yeah. I always, it, it, it got a little interesting when blogging came in. Cause I think it was a little, you know, when you could get a credential as a blogger, it would always be looked down upon a little bit. Cause it's like, well, you're a blogger. Mm-hmm. You're not a, like a quote unquote, cause I came in as a blogger, like straight up, no writing experience outside of, and I wrote a bunch of college essays and it was always, it would always be a little weird. I was lucky. I didn't, I didn't cover the, I know the Niners have a lot of drama between, you know, journalists and, and bloggers. And I that's just an that. NFL thing, by the way, because Is that? they have the power. Yeah. Okay. Because for me with the Warriors, uh, Rusty back in the day, Diamond, uh, Leon, Rusty Simmons, those guys, uh, they were nice. Marcus Thompson uh, was there all the time. He was nice. So everybody that I had come in with when I was blogging uh, and I would come in with the Warriors games, like they were all cool. Like everybody was super nice to everyone. There was never anything weird. Um, it was just always interesting because you would ask questions as a blogger that I think journalists would just think you would be weird for asking. Um, specifically around yeah. like if you ask questions around like something in game where you're asking like, hey, why'd you run that play? Or I saw you run this play. Why'd you do that? I think people, I think a lot of people would be like, because then I, I don't think X's and O's was something that was really, really written about on a day-to-day basis until kind of blogging came along uh, in the 20, 2010s. No, I totally agree. It was mostly, you know, who won, who lost, who was getting hired and fired. Then explain how you're feeling when exactly how are you feeling, that kind of thing. And it was just sort of everyone just sort of did the AP game recap just in their own in their own form. Yeah, I think that it's raised everyone's game across the board. I think that if you really if you want to be a writer or a podcaster or just someone on social media with a following, then you can't just be all narrative. I mean, you can, I mean, it works for some people, I guess, but you do have to show some sort of knowledge of all of these sports beyond just stuff you can watch on TV from following the ball move around. It's interesting to watch how it evolves too. That's the, that's the other part where it's like, um, you you're constantly chasing audience where they are and like attention spans change. And can you actually resonate and get your message across and like a quicker format for each of them? So that's the other part where like, I feel like for lack of a better term, a lot of media people I know are just like uninterested in chasing kind of what they need to, to get an audience. Well, then you, then what you're talking about now is, is where it it went from old school media and Mm -hmm. blogging. Then now you're talking about social media era. Of, uh, sure. of, sure. of of where, where it's nobody reads blogs anymore. Nobody reads actually anymore. Um, podcasting, or yes. you have to you have to really draw people, and people don't go out for destination reading unless they know the author. Is really I, what it comes down. I to. will read Jonathan Abrams, but it's like, dude, that's Jonathan Abrams. And honestly, like most like our hardcore listeners will know, but like other than that, nobody probably knows. Um, but it's like nowadays, it's just it's just social media. It's just tweets, right? Nowadays, what, what you do to gain a following is just, uh, I don't even know what the tweets are about. It could, it could just be total, total grifting, trolling as someone that does a lot of it myself. Like it could just be bullshit tweets. Like that's kind of how it, that could be considered 
kind of covering a team now. It's just, you're just tweeting stuff. Like I see so many people with, with random followings that don't write anything. They just tweet stuff and follow these. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. I'm just saying it's, it's, that's what it feels like now today versus that, that's kind of what graduated from the blogging world, what we saw five years ago. I mean, it depends on what you want. If you want a following, then that's great. But how many people actually make money based off of their Twitter that's profile? True. <laughs> so true. if you want to actually have Facts. a career, then you have to be Facts. super versatile. You have to have a good Twitter game. You have to be able to write. You have to be able to talk. You have to be able to have insight that others might not have. But also mostly, like I used to say this to all the people that I would manage, my freelance writers, who would sometimes get little bit too deep into the weeds on their own subjects that they wanted like you know james oakland above all uh yeah big raiders guy right he wrote raiders for me for a while great guy you know he was great for me on the site but every once in a while he would get into his own little niche categories like because the raiders are so bad and because the raiders had this weird thing sam i'm sure you know this about (laughs) about special teams guys like they love their kickers and punters right so it was like all the stuff about how good Marquette King was. I'm like, dude, no one gives a shit about the punter. Like <laughs> you, you have to write yeah. about stuff that's actually interesting to the reader or we have nothing. And so what I would always tell them was candy, not vegetables. So yeah, you could like try to give them information, but it's gotta be interesting. If people get bored within 20 seconds of your pod, the first paragraph that you write, you're done. So you have to have something that actually people are going to want to listen to or read or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it, it ties to just like kind of keeping the bigger picture. Like you either, you either have an eye for it, understand how to get people interested or you don't. And I don't know that people necessarily generate that one over time in general, but let's, uh, let's close on this topic right here. Um, you've, you've been around the Bay area as long as us and maybe longer. Do you think that the warriors are going to have a Niners like rain on this area for an extended period of time, because on some level, it feels like Joe Lacob likens himself to be like the modern day Eddie DeBartolo (laughs) and just kind of like, you know, I mean, he is a very, for as much as the braggadocia stuff can rub you the wrong way. And sometimes you're like, man, this guy's annoying. That type of thing. It's like four titles. They spend a lot of money. They print a lot of money and they are, they did objectively turn a team, which, as you know, as well as anyone, easily third, fourth in the market, irrelevant to the defining team of the market. I, I think that they're on their way to doing that because they have stars and there's drama. So even like when things are going well, we're still talking about KD and what yeah. his effect <laughs> was on this team and people just to like try to get people's attention, say, oh, well, what if they trade for KD? And there's a bunch of other stories beyond that, too. I mean, Draymond's drama for days. So I think, though, it's tough because the NFL is the NFL. And the NFL, everyone talks about how big it is now. It was just as big in the 80s and 90s. Trey Lance wins one Super Bowl. Yeah. Just one. <laughs> I mean, that's it. That's it, it's difficult to beat a Super Bowl champion, yep. but it's also much harder to, even if you're really good, remain on top as a an NFL team even the Niners like had I mean the 87 playoffs when they lost to the Vikings I couldn't believe it I was a kid and I was like are you kidding this is by far the best team in football but sometimes the best team in football gets their asses handed to him because Anthony Carter gets like 300 yards receiving and Jerry Rice can't save you so the the Warriors are an advantage for a couple of reasons one if you had the best players 
then you should win or at least be close to getting a, uh, contending for a finals. Like unless something horribly wrong happens and they have whatever, everyone says culture, it's overused, but I guess for lack of a better term, that's, you know, that culture at least keeps them, keeps their floor super high. The other thing is the average age for Warriors and basketball fans in general is much lower. So you have uh, an audience, a yes. captive audience that is going to be with you forever. That's where the Giants and, and the A's, if they get their stuff figured out, they're going to be in trouble just you <laughs> know, maintaining. be happy in any age range right now. But exactly. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, nursing homes, you- put the A's, A's, game, A's game on for us, please. We just need somebody to watch. No, I, it's the, if you look to that parade, and every parade. I mean, I, I went to the first couple. I, I didn't go to the last couple, but the just if you watch the average age in the front of those barriers when people are standing there and screaming for the guys is what, 24? And that's definitely not the situation with any other sport in the country. So at, at least they planted seeds. I mean, there's a kid across the street from who I see shooting hoops with a Steph Curry shirt on every single day, right? I mean, like that's that's a, that's a huge advantage still, though. You know, you're not talking about the Super Bowl where, I mean, the Niners lost Super Bowl, the Chiefs, 50 million people or 90 million people watched it or whatever. Right, right. The the NBA, you're still talking about if you yep. get over 20 for a rating, yeah, then sure. that's a huge success. So it's it's kind of complicated. You, you can't. No, yeah. yeah, I was, I was going to be like, Steph, Steph is for kids this this generation, like maybe what Joe Montana was for you and me. In terms yep. of just like that reverence, but like the scale of football is still yeah, just scale, on a yeah. different level in terms of just the sport mattering more. Which which is why the Niners need that guy because Debo's like, great, is great, <laughs> but they're not that guy. Like they're Ooh. not a quarterback. Quarterback's all that matters. Like when you're talking about that one guy in the in- I'm getting I'm or- buying you a Trent Williams jersey. <laughs> like Trent I, Williams doesn't move anyone. I it, I, as I great think Trey's. I think Trey's going to be good, by the way. But uh, I also think, though, that the 49ers, and I used to, when I first started BSG, the 49ers were just trash. Absolute trash. You're going Nolan oh, to oh, Singletary. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right? That's when I grew up. That's when that I grew was up. Yeah. The and, good and, times. And so, but even when they're bad, it's still a story. If the Warriors somehow just get really, really bad, it's going to cease to be a story after a while because the Bay Area is fickle and they like winners and they like yep. stars. So you don't have that sort of grip on the area that the 49ers do. I mean, maybe they could build that. Maybe I'm underestimating what the Warriors have built throughout the region. It did take, I will say, it took the worst. It took the 49ers, sorry, 20 years, two quarterbacks, multiple cycles, being basically the Patriots before the Patriots. Yep. To gain that kind of loyalty. So, yeah, I mean, it's the Warriors are like, halfway there like that's that's kind of the weird part when you think about it sometimes it's like okay four titles in eight years iconic decade do it again and then maybe you'll have (laughs) you'll have like that many generations who are just like this is my team first and you know that's you see it in LA right now like the Lakers are garbage they've been a garbage organization for a decade but they were not one for three three decades prior so you have a bunch of fans who are just like like five Five decades. There's like, well, this is a this is a blip on the radar because I've watched them win like ten of these over right. my life, you know. So th- that's that's kind of the thing that like generational success kind of has for you. You can you can buy longer periods of suckage, basically. Two timelines. Two timelines is going to buy Joe a lot of time. 
that's exactly years. what his plan is, though. I mean, we make I mean, fun it of is. it, but that that is what he wants to do. He wants to make sure that they don't have that lull after Steph and Clay and Draymond, where they all of a sudden lose what they built up. It is though amazing what they've done. I mean, Andy, you remember going to those games and we were sitting at those media tables in 2011, 2012, mm. and it would be three of us and there were like eight seats at the media table, right? And then you go to like, we start covering games in 2014, 15, 16, 17, and the locker room is so full. Well, you also wouldn't get the same seats. Like we would sit courts, like middle yeah. of the, we would, we would sit the corner to the court. Yeah. And, but then they would push us to the corner yeah. because like ESPN would start coming and whoever, and I'll just be like, well, and then you go talk and then you get to the Western conference finals and NBA finals. And now I'm at, at the top. Right. And, and <laughs> so well, I remember back in the days when it would be like me and a few other people, talking to Steph at the locker room in the locker room after, cause he always wanted to talk last and it'd be like five of us asking him questions. Ethan would always ask him something just off the wall Weird, and stuff. Yep. Steph would give him, a, give Ray Ritter a look like, what, what was this actually a question? And then, <laughs> and, and, and then he would answer oh, it. Yeah. yeah. And then, and then, you know, fast forward a few years later and that locker room is disgusting because it's so small and so hot and steamy with the showers right there and 80 people from the media in there. I'm like, damn, this thing changed a lot. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, also, it's it's tough to build a dynasty in terms of interest these days because everyone's so distracted so so easily. But just what the Warriors have done over the last, you know, 15 years is insane. I think we'll end it there. This is peak off-season pod. I think we spent more time talking about Stuart Fairchild the Warriors. No, no, we went every direction. Direction. you love you love bringing up Stuart. God, I, I, he just he sounds like a fake creative player name. I'm sorry, it just does. I mean, I it sounds Devin like something out of a. Yeah. I, I wanted to talk about Divincenzo. Damn it. <laughs> we'll get no, you, you on. We'll get you on in season. <laughs> appreciate appreciate you, Steve. Appreciate Thanks you for having me on, dudes. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.